Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Would you join me on stage very quickly? We have been involved in missions in this church for a long, long time. And uh, a little over a year ago, we started a new ministry where we were supporting pastors in different places and, uh, and distributing Bibles uh, throughout the world, really. Uh, how many countries have we sent Bibles to? Eight countries. We've sent Bibles to eight countries, and uh, uh, we started out with about $25,000 in this fund. I don't know how much we have in it now. How much? About 3000 left. So We've sent out about 35,000 Bibles in the last year. 35,000 Bibles. And, uh, and, and we just keep getting reports back on these Bibles and how God is using them. And I want to tell you, no matter what you see on the news, places like uh, Pakistan that we're going to talk about here just for a second, they're out on the streets passing Bibles out. And sometimes they actually have military protecting them and supporting them while they're passing Bibles out. It's an amazing thing. Tell us about the Bibles that went into the women's prison there. Was it Pakistan? No, that was Kenya. That, Kenya. Was, uh, okay. that was Pastor Steve Osambi. He had a three-hour trip and he, he, he took about eight cases of Bibles. Uh, just small cases, but it's rough roads over there. And the day before he went on this, he had no idea how he was even going to even get the money to travel or the soap to take in or the personal hygiene products to take to these women in prison. They get nothing over there except for what ministries or their family sends to them. The evening before he was getting ready to leave, he texted me early in the morning, his time. He says, I'm going to find a way somebody's going to take me. Somebody's donated milk, soap, Feminine products and toilet paper. We take that for granted. They packed up. They went through three hours. They went in. 30 women were brought to Christ in this women's prison. His next stop was a men's prison. 120 men gave their life at the men's prison. He texted me. He said, it was a great day in the Lord. I'm out of Bibles. <laughs> so this man is on fire uh, for the Lord, and we have uh, we're getting ready to send Bibles to Imani Radio in a different part of Kenya, and of course, uh, Pastor Akram spoke with thirty thousand people in an event this last week, and he gave out all his Bibles. Mm-hmm. So yes, bless you guys for doing that. We're touching people all around the world in a real way. Pastor Steve Osambi said something to me that made tears roll down my face. I didn't put these women in here. I can't get these women out of here. But I brought them a hope, a hope that will sustain them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I, I couldn't help but think about a story I heard from Cor, about Corey Ten Boone. Uh, that's a name that some of you older folks in here will remember. What a, a great woman of God she was. But she told the story of smuggling Bibles into Russia. 
and it was almost impossible in those days to get Bibles into Russia. And so this godly woman right by herself packed a suitcase full of Bibles. You can imagine how heavy it was. And she said when she got to to the customs uh, going into Russia, uh, she said she drugged that suitcase up there, and she said she watched as the customs officer opened every suitcase and every bag. And when they would find something, then they would take those people aside, and she said she didn't know what happened to them, but they could not take Bibles in. They were not allowing Bibles into Russia. Said she closed her eyes and said, Lord, these are your Bibles. I want to take them to your people in Russia. Lord, will you please bless me today? Said when she closed her eyes, these are her words now. Uh, She said she saw light beings. She said the room just lit up with these light beings. And she said she, no one else could see them. And so she just, she had comfort in her heart because she knew God would be with her. And said she closed her eyes again, and when she opened her eyes, she couldn't see them anymore, but she knew they were there. And when she finally got up to the customs desk, the customs officer said to her, Ma'am, I think you're the last one in line. She said, I am. He said, I see you're having trouble with that suitcase because it's so heavy. She said, I am. And he said, Would you mind if I help you? She said, he said, I'll be glad to carry your suitcase out to your taxi for you. And said the customs officer reached down, picked her suitcase up, never opened it, took it to the taxi and said, bless you today. And so, uh, so, and the reason, the reason I tell you that story is because God blesses the ministry of his word. And God supernaturally intervenes when we try to get the word out to uh, other countries and other places. I have a story I want to read, but before I read this story and begin the message, I want to tell you that this is a message I've been wanting to preach for over a year now and have not felt the liberty to preach it. But uh, this morning I will. I ask for your prayers. I, I also want to tell you as you will become aware of this as I preach through this message, that the people who need this the most are not here today. And so if if you hear this, don't be offended by this message. Just interpret it as preventive maintenance because I think it's something necessary for church growth as we continue to expand. But I want to begin by reading a story that was handed to me by a member of this church. A young girl was graduating from Southwestern Bible College, a two-year college in Houston, Texas. Her eyes were were on going on to the University of Houston, a four-year university. Her grades were not at all that good, and she discussed it with her local dean. They both agreed it was iffy if she would be able to get in because of her grades. She decided to try anyway. She obtained an application from the University of Houston. She filled out the entire application, and as a Christian, she knew she would not tell a lie or exaggerate. Then she got to the last question on the application, which was, are you a leader or a follower? She struggled with the answer and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord was silent. He did not give her an answer, and having to make a decision, she thought, you know, I don't think that I've ever been a leader, and I really do not have leadership qualities or capabilities. I guess I'm just a follower. She checked 
the box, I am a follower, and completed the application and mailed it in. A few days later, she got a call from the administration's office from the University of Houston asking her to come in for an interview as the dean wanted to talk to her personally. Oh, my goodness, she thought, what have I done? I do not even know this man. She went to the university administration office at the appointed time, and the dean was waiting for her. The dean's secretary escorted her into the dean's office. She went in. The dean pointed to a chair and said, have a seat. She was filled with fear and some trepidation with a hurricane of butterflies in her stomach. The dean looked uh, like a giant as he looked at her from over the desk. He had her application in his hand looking it in and said, sorry, but technically your grades are not good enough to be enrolled in this semester. He continued, we have had 10,000 applications this semester, and all of their applications have grades more than average. I'm sorry to say that your grades do not meet our standards for acceptance. He continued, one of the questions on the application was, are you a leader or a follower? 10,000 applicants said they were leaders. You're the only one who said, I'm a follower. Out of 10,000 applications, our staff has evaluated your application and come to the unanimous conclusion that since we have 10,000 leaders this semester, we need at least one follower. (laughs) So we've decided to accept your application to attend our university. You are accepted. Which leads me to ask you a question this morning. If you were filling out an application and there was a place where it asked you, are you a leader or a follower? Which box would you check? (laughs) Who said that? You're absolutely right. I've thought about that. I've had that for a while. I've thought about that. That's exactly what I would do. I I hope you would at least check the box follower or maybe follower and leader. I even thought about writing in on the application, always a follower, sometimes a leader. Because you see, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ... If we're going to call ourselves followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that means we have to follow Him, doesn't it? It means that we have to relinquish the leadership position in our lives. Now, granted, there may be times, hopefully there will be times in all of our lives when God will call upon us to lead. But we always have to be followers. We always have to follow him. We always have to follow his teachings. We always have to follow his instructions, his ways. We always have to follow his words. It is an absolute requirement that we follow him. And I'll tell you this, friends. We have to be willing to follow his leadership even if he gives that leadership through somebody that we don't even like. It's an amazing thing that, that sometimes God will give leadership and instructions to us through somebody that we don't choose. Maybe somebody we don't even like. You see, God is God. He's our leader. And if God wants to speak to you, 
He's not going to ask you, who would you like for me to speak to you through? Does that make sense? I, I want to be uh, just real frank with you this morning. Some years ago, there was a lady in the church, and she just made me nervous. I'm, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, she was, she was weird. <laughs> she, she was crazy. She, she, she was out there. And, and I, was, I was as nice to her as I could be, but I sure didn't listen to her because she was just she was weird. Have you ever noticed that sometimes, sometimes, when people really, really, really love Jesus, they come across as weird? I, I'm going to tell you, some of you are... A, a little bit weird. Well, anyway, they left and moved to another state, and I was glad. And <laughs> Several years later, I was home in Satchapi. Beth was at work. I was on my face in the living room. I was crying out to God. I had this great need. I, I, I had to make a decision. It, it was it, it was urgent. I, I I cried. I prayed. I stretched out on the floor. I prayed my heart out, and I didn't hear anything. And finally, when I was just worn out from praying, I got up off the floor. And as I got up off the floor, the phone rang. I had not spoken to this woman in years, and I recognized her voice. And the first thing she said is, Pastor. Told me who she was. She said, this morning God spoke to me and told me I had to call you that you needed an answer about something. I said, come on, God. Come on, Lord. Really? And she said, this is what the Lord said. Thus saith the Lord. And when she spoke it, I had chill bumps running all over me. I knew it was a word from God. And I knew it was an amazing answer to prayer, but I also knew it was a little bit of a rebuke for the attitude I had. You see, when you choose to follow Jesus, you don't get to choose all the instruments that He will use to speak into your life. We we have to be very careful. And I want to tell you this morning that the Bible... Uh, very simply, it's real simple the way the Bible draws it up. Here's the, here's the way it is. He's the shepherd. We are the sheep. He does the leading. We do the following. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people, say it if you know it, and the sheep of His pasture. You see, he's our shepherd, and we are the sheep. Did you know that that's what we are? We are sheep. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that's not a compliment. When the Bible calls us sheep, that's not like this great compliment. It's an insult, if anything. It really is. It speaks more to our great need than anything else. I mean, I don't know, you can do a study on it, but sheep are not known to be all that smart. They're, they're not 
cunning animals that are aware and, and, and sharp and uh, know how to protect themselves and stay in a safe place. They're prone to wander away from the shepherd and if the shepherd's not around, they tend to be aimless and they tend to get lost. The bottom line is, is sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need to be led. Sheep need to be protected. Sheep need to be taught. When the Bible calls us sheep, it means that we need to be taught. This, here's, a, here's a scripture that really speaks volumes. Mark 6.34. I think we can pull this up on the screen. When he went ashore, this is speaking of Jesus, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. He looks at this crowd and he has compassion on them. He has sympathy for them. He has pity for them. He has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd, that's just not good. And I like that last statement. And he began to teach them many things. I want to talk to you this morning just for a few moments about being followers of Jesus and having a teachable spirit. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about having a teachable spirit. High praise is given to those who have a teachable spirit. And harsh criticism is given to those who are not teachable. Let me share a few verses with you. Proverbs thirteen eighteen, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. The Bible says disgrace will be upon those who can't be taught, and honor will be to those who can be taught. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is whew, stupid. It's hard to say that word from the pulpit. It just seems out of place, but the Bible's not always politically correct. You know what I mean? Proverbs 9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. And one of the things I love about that verse is the Bible is making it very clear that when a man is wise and when a man is even righteous, he still needs to be taught. And, and the wiser he is and the more in the way of righteousness the man is, the more receptive he is to be taught. Proverbs fifteen twelve says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Did you know that somebody who's a critic, a scoffer, uh, somebody who's always finding fault, they will not go to a wise person and ask for instructions or even Seek to be corrected. And, and let me give you one more here. Proverbs 1, seven says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. D- do you understand? There are people who will not come to church. There are people who will not attend a Bible study class. Not just simply because they're lazy. Not s- simply because they just don't want to but because they despise the whole concept of sitting in a Bible study class and somebody else teaching them. 
They despise the whole concept of a preacher ministering to them. Here's a quote that has touched my heart. J.I. Packer says, Not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can we, can divine wisdom become ours? That's a great quote. Let me tell you why I like that quote so much. Because it causes me to ask myself this question. Am, am, am I really humble? A- am I, am I really teachable? Am I really standing in awe of His holiness? A- a- am, am I standing in awe of His sovereignty? Am, am I filled with a holy curiosity? Am I a lifelong learner who's teachable? Am I? Really am I? Are you? Oh, that's a great question. One that we need to be confronted with. Years ago, I had a deeply spiritual experience that took place on the golf course. I know y'all make fun of me when I talk about golf, but I just can't help it this morning. I, I was playing golf with a buddy of mine, and, and, and we were both, I mean, we're both good golfers. We play fast. We hit the ball well. We know how to get from tee to green, and, and uh, we're uh, above average. And we got to the course, and when we got to the course, we were getting ready to play, and a a teenage boy walked up and he said, can I play with you guys? And I'm going to tell you, everything in me wanted to say no. No, you can't play. You can't play because you're too slow. You can't play because you haven't played long enough. You're not good enough. You're a hacker. I didn't say any of that to him. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I did not want to play with this kid. I knew he'd slow us down. And you'd be proud of me. But I gave way to the Christian side. I said, sure, you can play with us. And all my fears came true. He would swing and miss the ball. He would shank it. If you don't know what a shank is, it's like the most horrible thing in golf. I've got guys that won't play with you even if you use the word shank. He would shank it. We were looking in the woods for his ball. We were, it, it slowed us down. It turned about a three-hour round of golf into about a four-and-a-half-hour round of golf. It was horrible. But I was being a good Christian. And I was, I was, man, I was holding it in. And I approached a green, and I missed the green with my approach shot. I was about that far off the green. My, my golf ball settled way down in the grass. It's a very difficult shot. I mean, it was like that far down in the grass. And I got over that ball. And I, I mean, I was, okay, this is, this is an, a difficult shot. And I took the swing, and when I hit the ball, it just popped straight up. And it landed about two feet on the green. The flag was about 25 feet away. 
And I'm thinking, that kid has messed me up. (laughs) My game's all out of rhythm. It's all out of whack. He's messing me up. And I mean, my face is, my face is always red. It was redder than red. And, and, and I was just disgusted. And if I'm standing before you this morning, that young man shouted across the green and he said, if you'll let me, I'll teach you how to make that shot. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, it went all over me. And I said, okay, big time, why don't you come over here and show me how to make that shot? And I took another golf ball and I buried it just as deep in that grass as I get it. I said, there it is. And he didn't even notice that I was speaking to him condescendingly. And he just smiled. He said, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he comes over and he takes his golf club and he stands there. And he didn't say anything. And then he takes this weird looking swing and he hits the ball and it pops up and it runs out on the green about 25 feet away that close to the pan. And he said, that's how you do it. <laughs> and, then he tur- and then he looks at me, so help me. He looks at me, he said, you want me to teach you how to do that? I said, yeah, why, why, why don't you teach me how to do that? And he did. I don't know, that's been 12, 14 years ago. I can, I can tell you, friends, to this day, when I have that shot, I remember what that kid taught me. He did not know a fraction of what I know about the game. He was a beginner. He told me later that he was just starting, and he said, that's the only shot in golf I know. He said, I was playing with a guy, and I had that shot, and he showed me, and I've learned that one shot. He said, I know how to make that shot. For some reason, you remember I told you this was a deeply spiritual experience? I never got over that. The Holy Spirit kept pounding that into my head. If you will let me, I can teach you. I can teach you through people who do not know as much as you know. I can teach you through beginners. I can teach you uh, through people who are outside of your comfort zone. I can teach you if you'll let me. I can teach you things. I thought of that over and over and over. Not long after that, I was in a hotel room. I had actually gone over to visit Chuck Coburn, uh, who was pastoring over in Palatka. And I was in a hotel room looking for something to watch on television. And I was looking for one of those Christian stations. And the only one I could find was a Catholic station. I've been taught my whole life, you don't, you don't sit under the teachings of Catholics. Catholics don't have it right. I, Catholics, their theology is all messed up. You, Catholics are out there. No teaching from Catholics. No, no, no. I was taught that. It was the only station I could find, so I decided, well, I, I won't learn. I'll just listen. I turned to a Catholic station... And a Catholic priest gets up, and this is what he says. He said, I've gone all over the world. He said, I've gone all over the world, 
And there's a prayer I wrote, and he said, I share it everywhere I go. It's called a miracle prayer. And he said, everywhere I go, I teach this prayer. And when people pray this prayer, miracles take place. Miracles take place. And, and, and I listened to that prayer, and it just burned in my heart. I, I want to tell you something, friends. Stop letting anybody tell you how God can teach you. He is God. I brought that miracle prayer back to River of Life. We have it on our website. We have it in print. Uh, I've led people to the Lord using that miracle prayer. I've had people tell me they pray it every day. And uh, they pray it every day. And miracles happen in their lives. A Catholic priest taught me a Baptist preacher. Well, the Baptists don't claim me. But anyway, I I still kind of claim... It, it, oh my goodness, alive. People, let God teach you. Have a teachable spirit. Follow the good shepherd. Follow the great shepherd. Follow the chief shepherd. Follow the shepherd of the flock and let him teach you and minister to you and speak into your life. Yes, you need to use discernment. Yes, there's bad theology out there. Yes, there's some corrupt stuff. But that's the Holy Spirit in you that will confirm all of that and lead you. But if you don't even allow people to speak into your life, do you understand? Then you're missing out. I want to, this is the part of the message I've been wanting to preach for a couple of years. I have noticed through the years an unholy progression in the lives of some people, not many, but some, an unholy progression where they evolve And become what I call Supreme Court Christians. Now hold on just a minute. I don't know of a better expression. Supreme Court Christians. A Supreme Court Christian is a self-appointed judge of Christian matters and Christian theology. Supreme Court Christians do not go to church to learn, to be humble, to worship, to be taught. Supreme Court Christians go to church to evaluate the worship, to evaluate the preaching, to evaluate everything to see if they like it or not. And then when the service is over, they write, as it were, their final opinion, and they broadcast it to people. They either put their approval on, but they don't come to learn. Supreme Court Christians do not attend a Bible study class to say, teach me. They attend a Bible study class to critique it. And and I can tell you, friends, you don't want to be a Supreme Court Christian. You want to be a a follower. May God have mercy on the pastor who has a church full of Supreme Court Christians who just sit in judgment. That's all they do. And by the way, a lot of times they're trying to figure out, do you know as much as I know? Are you as smart as I am? Uh, And I know some of you think you're smarter than I am. I'm going to shock you with this one. I'm quite confident that many of you are smarter than I am. But that has nothing to do with God's structure. That has nothing to do with God's methodology. 
It doesn't matter if he could play the game as good as I can. What matters is, can I learn from him in this one area? And you see Supreme Court Christians sit in judgment. And, and I'll, I'll tell you something. It, Supreme, I, I, we don't have many Supreme Court Christians in this church, if any, that I know of right now. You know why? They don't last long. Supreme Court Christians usually go from one church to another, and they just keep passing judgment, and they keep moving on. And if, you, if they can't get it right, if they can't find the church that completely lines up with them, sometimes they'll even start their own church. That way they got it. And so, uh, listen, I have had people in this county. Oh, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. This is important. I've had people walk up to me in this county and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I love you. I love you, but I can't attend your church anymore because I heard you say something I don't agree with. Now, I know immediately I'm dealing with a Supreme Court Christian. I, I, I know that. And, and I want to say, I don't say, and I don't tell them that, and I, I, but there are times when I go back and listen to some of the messages I've preached, and I don't agree with some of the things I've said. I mean, come on, aren't we growing together? Shouldn't we know more? Shouldn't we be more spiritual? Shouldn't we have more insight, more enlightenment a year from now than we have now? Isn't this a journey? Isn't it? I've even had a few extreme Supreme Court Christians who sit halfway through a sermon, pass judgment on the sermon, get up and storm out of the church and leave. Tell the ushers, I'm not coming back. I mean, how horrible. How horrible is that? By the way, if somebody gets up in the middle of this service and, and leaves, don't you judge them. They may be going to the bathroom. Let <laughs> me go, man, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he said that. Listen, this is important for the future of River of Life. This is important for our growth. This is important for Journey 600 and beyond. This is about God growing a family here. This is extremely important. If you hear something in a Bible study class or you hear me preach something from this pulpit that you disagree with, that's not a time for you to leave. That's an opportunity for us to learn. One of three things will be true. Maybe, first of all, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a little bit off base. And I get that way sometimes. Maybe I'm a little off base. And maybe just, maybe you need to come to me and share what the Word says and why you think that's wrong so we can grow in grace together. I've had that happen. I've actually said things in one uh, service and go back to the pulpit the next Sunday and correct it because somebody did just exactly that. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. We're growing together. You're not the only one who needs to be taught. I need to be taught. I need to grow. You can teach me as well as I can teach you. We grow. Here's another possibility. Maybe you're a little bit off. M- m- maybe, m- maybe your theology is, needs a little bit of correcting. And when you come to me or some of the elders of the church, then we can get in the Word together and you can grow in grace. Maybe, just maybe, we're both off. And we can get in the Word 
and grow together. But leaving the church and going to another church or leaving... Listen, there's one reason to join a church. The Holy Spirit has led you to come. Not because it's perfect, but because that's where the Holy Spirit's planted you. There's one reason to leave a church because the Holy Spirit is leading you, not because somebody said something you don't like. I hear things in this church all the time I don't like. But I don't leave. We're growing together. And it's about going from being immature to being mature. Can you imagine standing before the Lord on Judgment Day? And can you imagine God saying to you, I am so proud of you. Because you got up right in the middle of that worship service. You got mad and you got up and you walked out of that church and you never came back. I am so proud of you. Really? Can you imagine that? I can't, but I can tell you what I can imagine. I can't imagine the Lord looking at you and saying, I am so proud of you because something happened in your church. It wasn't in proper alignment with my word. And I put a check in your spirit and you behaved like a mature Christian with love and compassion. You got with leadership. You got back in the word. And because you did what I told you to do, the whole church experienced growth in the word and truth. And there was, there was growth. Listen, according to Colossians 3.16, it's easy to remember John 3.16, Colossians 3.16. According to that, we are all to be filled with the Word. All of us are to be filled with the Word of God. And we are to be teaching and admonishing one another. Every one of us, we are all to be teaching and learning. We're to be helping and encouraging others. There are times we teach, there are times we learn, and we grow in grace together. And I, I, can, I can tell you, sometimes God will take the youngest Christian in the church to teach the oldest Christian in the church. It happens that way sometimes. Now, most of the time, that's not the way it happens. Most of the time, the way it happens is God takes those who are in spiritual leadership and who've had more years of experience and more depth in the Bible, and he teaches. But sometimes God uses a new Christian to teach the older ones. About I don't know, six or seven years ago now. I don't actually remember how long ago I led a man to the Lord. And uh, he resisted me at first, but I persisted. And by the way, I use that miracle prayer. And if some of you want to know about the miracle prayer, just, just check with us and we'll make sure you get it in hand. But I used that miracle prayer and he got saved right at my dining table. He got saved, and I watched this man just gloriously change. And within a matter of weeks, this man was saying to me, he was saying, hey, he'd call me and say, hey, I asked God for this, and he gave it to me. And then a few days later, he'd say, I prayed about this, and it happened. He'd say, man, this Christian life, this is amazing. He said, I pray about this, and I pray about this. And over and over, I'm in three, four, five times a week, he's giving me these testimonies of God answering prayer. I went to his place of business in Tallahassee. He's not here this morning. Most of the time, he sits right up front with me right here when he's here. I went to his place of business because I heard him talk about this. I said, okay, all right, I want to know how you pray. I said, You're telling me, you just over and over, you're telling me, you pray this prayer and God answered it. You pray this prayer and God answered it. You pray this prayer. Tell me how you pray. 
So he sits there and he tells me how he prays. He said, well, he said, if I got a worker in trouble, I'll say, Jesus, you know, old John, he, he needs some help today. He said, Jesus, would you, would you help him? He, he said, sometimes I'll say, Jesus, that crew is, they've run up against a problem and they can't figure out how to fix it. Jesus, would you help them today? I said, that's how you pray? <laughs> he said, yeah. I mean, his prayers were like six words long, five words long. I said, that's it? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Well, I left. And by the way, I started praying, Jesus, <laughs> I need a little help today. But anyway, the, the, this story, uh, about a month later, he comes, he's seated right here on the front. And I've prayed and somebody else has prayed and he leaned over to me and this is what he said. He said, wow. He said, will you teach me how to pray like y'all pray? I said, absolutely not. No, don't you even try to learn how to pray like we pray. We need to learn to pray like you pray the way he was praying. And I had to check this out. Lines more with God's word. Don't think by your many words that you will be heard. Just make your request known. He knows what you need even before you ask him. It's not about the words, it's about faith. It's about relationship. It's about trust. Do you understand a man that I led to the Lord taught me a a more meaningful and powerful way to pray? All right, time's up. I got to get out of here. All right, I want you to remember five words for me, if you will. Five words. Can you remember five words? I really, I'm serious. Write them down if you have to. Here they are. We're going to pull them up on the screen. Five words. Say them with me. You taught me something today. Write them down. Remember them. Look for opportunities to use those words. You taught me something today. Look for opportunities to say that to your children to your parents, to your spouse, to your brothers and sisters, to your co-workers, uh, to those in leadership above you. If you're a spiritual leader, look for opportunities to say those five words to somebody that you're ministering to. You taught me something today. You understand become alert. You want to be a learner. You want to be a teacher. Pray that God will speak through other people and get to you. That's what, that's what you want to do. Do you know why those five words are so important? Because you can't say those words and mean them if you're not listening. That's a whole sermon in itself. Most of us just flat don't listen to what other people are saying. We're so busy thinking about what we want to say, we don't listen to what they say. You taught me something today means that I was actually listening to you. So you have to start listening. Another thing you have to do is you have to humble yourself. You, you, have, to, you have to humble yourself. Sometimes to let a little child lead you. It doesn't the Bible say they'll be led by a little child? You, you have to humble yourself. You have to come down off your Supreme Court Christianity and become humble 
and say, teach me. When you say, you taught me something today, you're shouting to the world that you're still learning, that you're still growing, that you're a lifelong learner, that you're teachable. And listen to this. I think those words are some of the most encouraging words you'll ever speak to another human being. Do you know why? Because when you look at your child, or you look at your husband, or you look at your wife, or you look at your boss, or you look at a coworker, and you've listened to them, and you say, you taught me something today. You've paid them a high compliment, because what you're saying to them is this, is I believe God used you and spoke through you to teach me something. And I just want to applaud you. You and I, you're really not saying that, but they hear it. Thank you. Thank you for speaking into my life. Thank you. Listen, say them with me again. You taught me something today. Now, friends, if, if river of life is going to be what God wants it to be, if we're going to grow, if we're going to take this county by storm, if we're going to win thousands to Christ, if journey 600 will turn into journey 700 and journey 800 and journey 900 and journey 1,000, and there are thousands in this county need Christ, then what we have to do is we have to become followers of the shepherd. We have to become teachable learners, and we have to walk with him. And I want to tell you, when we do that, it is an exciting journey. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit riveroflifefl.com.